the title from a book and the actual, some of the, I didn't agree, do everything that the book did. I haven't read the book and this is, the messages had nothing to do with the book. All it was was some of the titles got the idea and we kind of went with that and looked at different scriptures that have to do with stones. And so as I open this last service today, I have a question for you. Oh, is this not working? I think we're frozen. There we go. So what is it? Is it a sunset or a sunrise? What do you think? Sunrise? Who says sunset? Who says sunrise? Well, see, we're kind of, I don't know. It was just a picture on internet. So, so the reality of what I'm trying to tell you there is we don't really know, do we? Now, if you knew that I put a post, which I do on Facebook quite a bit, I post a picture of the sunsets at Shelton, because you know what side of the island I'm on, and you would know at Shelton I'm seeing a sunset, right? I wouldn't be seeing a sunrise. But this picture, we don't know what they're, where they're from or what they're seeing. And, and what I want to say to you today as... Many people will look and see it as a sunset, and others will look and see it as a sunrise. And the reality today is, are we at the setting of the sun, or are we at the rising of the sun? Is it the end, or is it just the beginning? And uh, I wanted to do a little bit of a recap Probably kind of good that I did because some of you are visiting today and you wouldn't have known what we have done over these weeks. And so the sermon series has been on stones. In the first week, we looked at written in stone, looking at the law of God, looking at how Israel had broken the promises of God. And we had brought our stones forward to say that we didn't want to be people who were people who broke our promises with God. With the power of the Holy Spirit, we wanted to be promise keepers. Then we looked at the stone that was rejected, and Christ, who was rejected, became the chief cornerstone, the foundation, but because he was rejected, we are now accepted. The title of Sticks and Stones had to do with the woman caught in adultery and how quick we are to pick up those stones of judgment and self-righteousness, and God would want us to drop those stones because we're all where we are because of God's grace. Then we looked at a heart of stone, Pastor Mike preached that message, and how the hardening of our hearts, even for us as believers, can happen if we're not careful, and we need the Holy Spirit to give us a heart of flesh, a heart that feels, a heart that responds to the things of God. Then I preached on upon this rock, and we talk about Christ as our rock, and we're to build our home and our lives and our spiritual house upon the rock. But we went and looked at that passage in particular, and Jesus said, the one who built his house upon the rock is the person who hears my word and does it. And the person who built his house on the sand are the ones who hear, they also heard, but they had no plans in doing it. Then we looked last week that if, the, if we don't praise the Lord, all of creation will praise him. And so to our shame, because we are God created us in his image to have relationship with him, and we should be the first to praise him. 
Pastor Mike did an amazing, uh, there was an amazing message, and I cannot encourage you enough that if you, if you weren't here to go online and listen to it, because I think this message today pivots on what he had to say. And by the way, we, didn't, we don't do this. We don't talk about each other's sermon on who's going to do what, and you'll see how the two fit, that God was leading him on Friday as he looked at that stone that was placed, that barrier and he looked at the fact that Christ in his humanity was buried and has redeemed our burial. That our grave will not have the same power over us now because Christ was buried. Something we don't talk about a lot in the church. Christ was buried, which is, by the way, biblical, as the passages all talk about it. And praise God, finally got you here we are here today about the stone being rolled away. Wonderful passage in John's Gospel, 20, uh, 1 to 10. And we see here the reality at, before the stone can be rolled away, as Pastor Mike said on Friday, the stone has to be placed. And so it's dark days, it's confusing days, it's days where people don't really understand what is going on. They're days of bleak and despair, they're mourning. And I know when all of us go through times of mourning, it feels like that. You feel like you're in a fog. I just dealt with somebody and seen her put up in Ontario. She just lost her 26-year-old son, and she said, I, I feel like I'm dreaming, and I'm gonna, I, I pray that I'm going to wake up, and then I realize there is no waking up. It's bleak. It's dark. It's tragic, and life seems to be full of that. And so then we see the reality that in the midst of all of this that's going on, John gives us first verse in our passage today, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark. And I think he's not just talking about physical darkness here. I think he's talking about it all seemed so dark. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. See, Mary Magdalene loved Jesus, and Jesus loved her because she had sinned much, and Jesus had forgiven much, and so she loved much. And it was quite the custom in those days that for three days you would go to the tomb after somebody died. But they couldn't go to the tomb right away. Pastor Mike said quickly. They only had three hours to get the body prepared and in the tomb before the Sabbath came on Saturday, Friday evening. And so all of Saturday, day, which was their Sabbath, they weren't able to go to the tomb. So when she had the opportunity, when it was still dark, she couldn't wait to go to the tomb to show Jesus her love, to go and grieve. And so we see dark days for us too. We all experience challenges and frustrations and oh man, don't even get me started on COVID frustrations, <laughs> suffering, and it seems to be like the sun is setting. It seems like it's the end. Do you ever read some of the things that's out there, what they're saying over the church of Jesus Christ? It's like they're saying the sun is setting on the church. It's the end. Oh, no, it's not, my friends. <laughs> the church has triumphed on, and it will continue to triumph on, whether I'm a part of it or you're a part of it or we're not. I, I don't know what kind of dark days you have gone through. I think we need to talk about that openly as a church. I, I, I don't think we want to get to this point where we seem like people where it's all pie in the sky 
you know, kumbaya and just everything's wonderful. I think we need to be realist. I think we need to talk about pain and suffering and come alongside people and not come with platitudes and Christianese, but we need to come and weep with them and sit beside them and walk with them as they go through dark days. Some of the greatest church fathers and some of the greatest writers talk about the dark night of the soul. I remember when Mother Teresa, they had found her journal, and everybody was in shock that this woman who had done such wonderful things for God talked about a dark night of the soul, wondering where God was, if God was even real. My friends, it's a part of the journey of faith, dark days, unfortunately, and we don't like them. What do we do when God seems silent? I, I, I've had many, many dark days in my journey. I, I remember one of the darkest times in our lives is when we went to go minister in Italy. <clears throat> we had left Switzerland. We had been in Switzerland for five years. We went to Bible school in Germany right at the border there. We had planted a church in Switzerland. And Pastor Mike has said, you know, we as a church aren't called to be business associates, that we just kind of wave at each other like a business meeting. We are called to be brothers and sisters in Christ. And this was a church that we had birthed, and we wept together, and we worked together, and we loved on one another. And so when we left Switzerland, we had to leave. The government said so. We had finished school, and we wept all the way from Switzerland down to Milan, Italy. We were so brokenhearted, leaving. And that year of ministry in Italy was one of the worst and one of the hardest, and it was the darkest days, and if you ever wanted to sit down, I could tell you all the things that happened. And we got there and said, God, where are you? And God seemed silent, and we thought, well, maybe we've been mistaken. We left country, and we left family, and we've gone to this place, and we've done everything you've asked us to do, but it just seems so dark, and it doesn't make sense, and we're not, why are we even here? We could have said at that point, we could have walked away and said, this is the sunset, this is the end of ministry, we're done. My friends, it was only the beginning. <laughs> and I can't go into details today because God opened up a door to work with heroin addicts, and we worked with heroin addicts for three and a half years and saw people released from the power of heroin. And there's a young man today in Italy, now pastoring in the same place where we pastored all those years later. He went to the south and came back up to Milan. He's pastoring today in Italy, married with children, with a daughter, and he is fulfilling God's call, someone who was lost in heroin. See, it wasn't the end, it was the beginning of what God wanted to do there. In missions, the greatest thing you can do is raise up a national and walk away, and they carry the missions on. Why do I share that? Well, it seems like a dark day here, doesn't it? It just seems so dark. But when Mary arrives at the tomb, <laughs> she's in shock. Why? Because the stone is rolled away. Hallelujah. She's, she's coming, and it's dark, and it's, she doesn't understand, and she still doesn't really understand. She doesn't really know what's going on. The tomb is empty, and so in her confusion and darkness, she assumes somebody stole the, the body, and, and we see here, though, a new dawn has, the stone has been rolled away, and so distraught, she takes a run, and she takes a run back to the city, and as she takes a run back to the city, she tells Peter and John. John does not use his own name here. 
He's a disciple that uh, Jesus loved. And so he does that. So in humility that you don't know it's him, but it's Peter and John and they run for the tomb. Now, John is believed to be the younger of the disciple. So guess what? What younger people do? They arrive to the tomb first, (laughs) but he didn't go in, we're told. He stood at that point outside and as he's looking in, he's, he's seeing. See, John's very specific here about the linens, the grave cloths. And as the grave cloths are laying there just where Jesus was laid. Notice he says they weren't put off. They weren't taken off. They're just there. Almost like the body was evaporated right out of the cloths. It's perplexing. And then he sees the, the napkin that would be put around the head has not just been removed, but it's been folded. There's a whole message there, but we won't go there today. Laying there. And so he's very, very perplexed by all of this. And so I want to say to you, what was happening here, they didn't get right away. The new creation had begun. It's not in the sweet by and by, my friends. That's the culmination of it. What has happened here at this moment when the stone rolled away and it was empty and the grave cloths were laid behind, the new creation in Christ Jesus was brought forth. And since the creation of the world back seen in Genesis 1, there had never been a day as powerful as this day. The third day began the first day of God's new creation. Jesus, God and man, was alive. He was risen from the dead on the first day of this new creation. And all of humanity in his humanness humanness, is now glorified with him and are able to have a restored relationship with Jesus Christ because the same relationship that Adam and Eve had in the garden with God, now we in Christ can have that kind of relationship with God again. Because the new creation has begun. Pastor Mike used this term, not knowing I also had the same term in my message. The stone tomb became the very womb through which new creation was birthed. You think about it, how we all come into physical birth. We come into this place of physical birth. We come through the womb. I've often thought about what does a baby think about going through birth? Dear Lord, (laughs) it's dark. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we think of babies that are two weeks late because they don't want to leave the womb. And and I thought about (laughs) the, the pressure the pressure, and what they're going through. Make no wonder they cry when they're born. And if you watch the baby's face when they're born, they're confused, and they're, <laughs> and they're looking around, their little eyes they can't really see, and they're wondering what in the world. Then they hear their mother's voice and their father's voice. We all went through that. We don't remember it, praise God. <laughs> Somebody does, but we don't. Maybe God does that on purpose. We all went through this physical birth, and I know you did because you're here today. What's beautiful is God doesn't want us just to have a physical birth. God wants us to have a spiritual birth. 
And we have that spiritual birth through coming to a place at the cross where we lay, we've been laying our burdens down and our commitments down at this cross, where we lay down our sin and repent of, of all that we've done and we accept the fact that Christ shed his blood, died, and was buried for me. But today we need to realize there is another womb, my friends, and that womb is called the tomb. And that is where the new creation begins. We're not just buried with Christ, but praise God, we now come alive in Christ. What does the waters of baptism symbolize? What does it say? We are buried with Christ when we are baptized, and we come to life in Christ as we come out of the waters. And so we see that this new creation has been coming. And so, you know, it's interesting because it's so true to John's gospel. John's gospel is about paralleling. It's, it's the theological gospel. It's the gospel that was written after the others. And it's believed that he knew about the others, but he felt he had something to say. And it wasn't just a historical account of what Jesus had done. This is now the theology. This is unpacking what Jesus had done. And so John starts to show us as we read the gospel that this is the new creation that God has done. And it symbolizes what happened back in Genesis chapter 1. We know Genesis 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters in the darkness. And God said, in the dark, let there be light. And there was light. And in the tomb, it was dark and void. And God's breath was in that place. And it was hovering. And the word of God spoke and summoned things again back into life. And there was life and light, just like that first day of creation. John even opens his book mirroring Genesis chapter 1. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. Verse 4, In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Interesting enough, even Jesus' words on the cross when he says, it is finished, I posted this morning on the messenger group, I thought it was a very profound thought. He didn't say, I am finished. He says, it is finished. Very much like God said in Genesis chapter 2, verses, verse 1, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. Like the first creation started on the first day of the week, the resurrection starts on what day? The first day of the week. Pastor Mike brought this to our attention, that creation started in a garden. The new creation starts in a tomb in a garden. Later on in John, the resurrected Lord will come into a room and meet his disciples, and it will say that he breathes the Holy Spirit upon them, much like we see that when Adam was lifeless, and we heard this morning about the rattling bones and, and God breathing into those bones, the prophet was supposed to prophesy over those bones, we see in this moment also that breath of God given to them was like the breath of God put into Adam. 
John's gospel is trying to get a message across to the world. The stone rolled away, pronounced that the new creation is here. It's already here. Don't sit back in your lazy boy saying, oh, someday the new creation. The new creation, once that tomb was empty, the new creation has begun. And we get to be a part of it. What does that bring? Well, my friends, first of all, we can see it brings a new understanding Because it's a new day and the tomb is empty and the creation has begun, we see that we're told that finally the other disciple, who would be John in verse 8, who had reached the tomb first, he loves to rub that into Peter, (laughs) also went inside. And see what it says? He saw and he believed. Why do I say that? Because he had an aha moment. He had a light bulb experience, and I want to challenge you today. Have you had an aha moment? Have you had a light bulb experience with God when all of a sudden the pieces all start to fit and it begins to make sense, and you're wondering and you realize, and that's the most important thing to realize, it's when you've had that aha moment, you say like Isaiah is, whoa, am I. I'm a man. (laughs) of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. It is that revelation, that divine revelation of God, that all of a sudden in that moment, I realize my own sinfulness, my own fallenness, my own brokenness, and that I need a remedy, and praise God, Jesus is the remedy. That's why he died on that cross for us. I like what somebody said. It's, you can't even put it into words for people. I, I know there were times where I've been praising and I've been raising my hands and can't get, it's like I want to get out of my skin. And I've seen people look at me and like, what is that all about? You can't explain it. You try to explain it and it doesn't make sense to people who have not experienced it. I like what somebody says. It's a different sensation, a little bit like falling in love. Remember when you first fell in love? I hope you do. A little bit like a sunrise, a bit like the sound of rain at the end of a long drought, a little bit like faith. That's what faith is. See, there's a moment when God breaks in and our understanding is opened, and it is only by God's grace and by his spirit that we can understand any of this mystery of faith. Hear me right, study is important. It's so important to read God's word. It's so important to get together in the adult Sunday school class and to teach kids in Sunday school and down in junior church and Wednesdays. And study is so important to give us the knowledge that we need. Rationally, we can believe today that Jesus is risen. We can even come into church and say he is risen and someone else says he's risen indeed. That's rational. Historically, we know that 500 seen him. The word tells us that. Even Josephus, the historian, talks about there were those who said that Christ rose from the dead and they had seen him. Historically, we can say Jesus is risen. But my friends, none of that will save you. None of that will change your life. None of that will forgive you of your sins and give you a new purpose to live. What we need today is divine 
revelation. What we need today is a move of the Holy Spirit. And that, my friends, is why prayer, here you hear me pushing prayer again, that is why prayer is so important because it's only through praying for people and God moving on somebody like he did on John that he walked into that tomb and he saw and he believed. Praise God, the new creation means that there is a new man. Soon the disciples will all have an encounter with the risen Lord, even Thomas. Praise God. And when Jesus appears to his disciples, what does he say to them? In Luke, he says, see my hands, see my feet, that it is I, myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Jesus appears to them not as some spooky spirit, but in his new and glorified body. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. Did you hear that? Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. What are first fruits? Well, praise God, living on a farming island, we get to enjoy the first fruits often. Nothing like an Irish cobbler. Apparently, my stepdad's favorite potato that he grew up with. That first new potatoes when you buy that bag. You know there's going to be a great harvest. There's going to be more potatoes, praise God, hopefully. But you get to taste those first fruits. What, what we are hearing here in Scripture, it says that Jesus is that taste, those first fruits of the resurrection. But there will come a day, hallelujah, when the full harvest will come in and up from the graves will arise and there will be the full harvest on that day of the resurrection. And he didn't just tell me so, he actually did it to prove it. And he is now ascended at the right hand of the Father, interceding and even praying for us today in this service. He is not up there as God. Hear this. He is up there in his humanity. That's the importance of the ascension. It is important, as Pastor Mike said on Friday, in his humanity he was buried like we are buried. And then it is in his humanity that has come up from the grave in this new created order that gives me hope that there is coming a day when this body, when it is laid down, will come up from that grave too. Oh, I love that gospel song. There ain't no grave going to hold this body down when that day comes. You see, we said on Friday, and I've had it in my message too, that that's what we're doing out at the graveside. That's not just some uh, something you add on to help the family because you've done a funeral and now you go out to do the committal. No, 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 my friends. Those who die in the Lord, we're pronouncing the promises that that loved one we've laid to rest who is now dead in their body in the grave will one day on that great day of the resurrection rise up from that grave. And so we speak the truth of God to each other and the promises to God. And it gives us hope for even our loved ones who have gone on before us. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 
47 to 49. Thus it is written, the first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also who, who, who are of the dust. And as the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have been born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. That's a difficult passage, but if you can get your mind wrapped around that, he is saying like we were born under the first Adam. We have been born as earthly people, sinful people under the curse, and we have to taste death, and we go back to the dust, and when we're at the graveside, we put the dust on them, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, because that is our humanity, fallen humanity under the old Adam. But praise God for those in Christ. <laughs> That's not the end of the story. That's not the sunset. For us who are in Christ, we are now under the new Adam. And under this new Adam who came from heaven, we now have new life and a future from heaven. And so even at our death and the death of a loved one, it's not the end. It's only the beginning. My friends, he has come to give us new life and life to the full. Paul, we'll move on quickly, but the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Not someday he'll be a new creation. He is a new creation. He now has resurrection life in his veins and he is come to live life and that we might have life and live it to the full he didn't just show us how to die he also showed us how to live new worship new worship think about it you know easter is quite interesting that easter what did you usually get on easter did anybody today get new clothes just a few so a lot of these things are going away. Well, Newfoundland, when we were little girls in the Salvation Army, everybody walked into church on Easter morning with a new dress and new shoes and new socks, didn't care if it was a snowstorm. Yeah, they'd wrap a blanket around you if they had to to get you to church, but you had to have it all new. Why do we do that? Because we are representing on Easter Sunday that all things have been made new. Actually, traditionally in the church, often uh, it would be on, on Easter Sunday, they would go under the waters of baptism. What a day to get baptized on Easter Sunday. And they would wear white. What do we usually do today when people wear and are baptized? Often they wear white. Back traditionally in the church, people in the church would all wear white too because it was supposed to symbolize the newness that had come, the cleansing that had come. Some traditions still today, they clean the house on this weekend. Oh, God, I didn't, but help me, Lord. But they clean the house from one end of the house to the other. And there were those, the Jamaican friends have told me, in our family as Newfoundlanders, you'd have to paint the house from one end to the other for Easter. Why? Because the symbol of everything is made new on this Easter Sunday. It's all part of our traditions and what we do. The problem is often we don't know why we do what we do. The Christian Sabbath of the new covenant, the new creation, 
of the resurrection now happens on the first day, not the seventh day. It's not the end, it's the beginning. It's not the sunset, it is the sunrise. It is the first day of day one of what God is doing in creation. And every Sunday, I get to play it all over again. Every Sunday, the first day of the week, I get to come and celebrate his new creation. My friends, if you think church is boring, you've missed it. If you think church is optional, you've missed it. Because as part of God's new creation, every Sunday, the first day of the week of his new creation, I get to come in and proclaim his resurrection and get to be a part of his new creation. Until he comes. And whether I lay this body down in the grave or not, until the Lord returns, Christians are going to continue to do it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday because we proclaim his death, but we also proclaim his life. I can't preach this any more fervently than what I'm doing. But praise God, I pray for his spirit because there is a new power. And that new power is the Holy Spirit. And he told his disciples to wait, as we'll see Pentecost is just around the corner. He told his disciples to wait upon him, wait until they receive power from on high. He had to return to the Father so that with the Father they could send forth the Spirit upon us, the Spirit of the resurrection, the Spirit of this new creation. Now is not just foreign and outside of us, but us who are in Christ, the Holy Spirit, the new creation lives in us. You know what that tells me? No excuse. I love, there used to be an old statement, I don't have it in front of me, no excuse Sunday, and it's kind of a comical little story that would talk about all the excuses that people use on Sundays. Uh, You know, there's air conditioning for those who say it's too hot, we'll have the heater going for those who say it's too cold, we'll put cots in the back for those who have been up too late on Saturday night, you know, it's called no excuse Sunday. (laughs) Well, my friends, there's no excuse for us not living a powerful, dynamic life in Christ because of the empowerment of the new creation, the Holy Spirit now lives in me. And if you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And there is a new power going through us in our spiritual DNA. It is so important to remember that in the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit was working. We see it in the Old Testament. But what God is doing now is a new thing. Much greater is he now working in his people And I can't get this across enough to people in this passage of Philippians 3, what the Apostle Paul prays. He wants us to pray too. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. What Paul is saying there, that word that is used there is the word dynamos, which is the word we get the wonderful word, you know it, dynamite. So do you realize today that under the new creation, the dynamite of God lives in you through his Holy Spirit? The dynamite. It's that same word we see often used for metamorphosis as we watch a, a, a caterpillar go into the womb of a, 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 of a I can't, chrysalis, isn't it? And, and then is birthed as this beautiful 
uh, butterfly, that metamorphosis, that God is wanting to do in us a new thing that's part of this new creation, this metamorphosis, and that dynamos that raised Jesus from the grave because of the power of the Holy Spirit now lives in you and me. Wow. Going to ask the worship team to come. I hope for some of you that some of the ideas, I know we talk a lot about Christ is risen, he's alive, my Savior is alive, praise God. When I pray, I know God is alive, I know he's returning for me. All of those things are important. But I pray today that you're beginning to get a little of the understanding of that new creation that was happening in that tomb. And that it's a powerful, powerful message of what God has for us. I was set up as a child, and if I know some of the young girls, maybe some of the boys, but mostly the young girls here, we're probably set up too. You know how we were set up? They used to read fairy tales to us, and I'm still looking for that night on a white horse. Pastor Mike is a wonderful <laughs> husband, <laughs> but I finally had to let that go and let him be who he is. <laughs> What a setup. Any man, what man can live up to that standard? God help us. And then the other setup was, and they all lived happily ever after. And so you read that as a little girl and you hear those stories and you think, oh, life is wonderful and it's just, and then you grow up. <laughs> and you're like, but life is hard. And there's suffering and there's loss and there's brokenness, and there's the dark nights of the soul, and there are those times when you say, God, where are you? And so you kind of give up on that dream. You just say, this has all been a crock. <laughs> they didn't tell me the truth. Life isn't happily ever after. And if we're not careful, everything around us, even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the war in Ukraine, even when we look at things, we can become desensitized. We can look around and say, well, everything is just the end. Everything is just a sunset. I've been talking to young people who are so fatalistic right now with global warming and everything, and I had someone tell me that in 10 years, the island won't be here anymore because it'll be all underwater. They believe it. They're feeling that. And, and it looks like it's a sun setting. And it looks like it's the end. My friends, today I want to encourage you to look at that empty tomb once again. To take this Sunday to realize it is not the end. It is not the sunset. It is just the beginning of a new day of what God is doing. And nothing and no one is going to keep back the movement of God's new creation towards its ultimate goal. The kingdom of God when we all get to enter into it. I want to encourage you today. Has the new creation started in your life? Have you had that aha moment? God wants to give you that divine revelation so that all of this you've heard all your life begins to finally make sense. God wants you to realize that you are alive in him, that you are a new man and a new woman in him, that the power that raised him from the dead now lives in you, that there is purpose and life and life to the full in Christ.
Oh, we want to be real, but we want to be full of him and his life too. And I encourage you that Sunday is that day that we get to be reminded of this week after week after week. That's why we come together to encourage one another, to spur one another on into our new week that we're facing and the difficulties we are facing. I have taken the stones that have been placed around this cross over these other seven weeks, well, seven sermons, and I have written on it the word alive, and they are at the back. And I want to encourage you today that as you leave to take one, now, I can't guarantee that the stones you've placed at the cross over these weeks, <laughs> you were able to get the same stone back, but you are able to get a stone, and even those who are visiting today, you're able to take a stone home with you that says now, alive. It's no longer hidden behind a stone. The stone has been rolled away. The new creation has begun, and I am alive in Christ. Hallelujah. And even some of you, when you say, you know, Pastor, I want that. I don't have it. I want that. I'm going to encourage you also to take that home and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal to you what is the truth and that you will have a divine, your own personal divine revelation of who Jesus is, what he has done for you, and now the life that God wants you to live. Let's pray.